Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the A Mother Brand podcast, from single mom to social entrepreneur with Lindsay Pollard. As we approach the end of one year and beginning of the next, I have a question for you. Where's your business going? What's the big goal that you're working towards? Because today's interviewee has such an interesting response to this. As her business is focused on making huge positive social impact, her main goal is the world changing so much that her business is no longer needed. In this week's episode, I'm interviewing a friend and inspiration, the wonderful Lindsay Pollard, founder of Little Box of Books. Little Box of Books is a business dedicated to changing the world so that our children read more representative and diverse books. I've been a very happy subscriber for some years now, and it was such a pleasure to chat to Lindsay about how her business came about, how she's used her strengths and skills in PR to build its profile, the disciplines that Lindsay relies upon to keep her mindset strong and her people-pleasing under control, and how she's learned to balance business and family. I hope that you enjoy my interview with Lindsay Pollard. is the A Mother Brand podcast, and I'm your host, Noni White. I'm a former TV producer-director turned mother and entrepreneur, passionate about showing more mothers that you don't have to settle, that there is a way to be the mother that you want to be and do work that you truly love that works for you. On this show, I'll share simple strategies for building a life you love, based on business development and personal development through the lens of the science of well-being, positive psychology. I'll also be sharing interviews with inspiring female founders and my own insights and experiences from the front line of juggling motherhood and business. Now let's get going with today's episode. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. So Little Box of Books. I love Little Box of Books. I am a very happy subscriber. My children adore it. When did you start Little Box of Books? So I started Little Box of Books in 2018, but it had been an idea that had been long in the kind of, I'd been thinking about it for a long time. Because when I had my eldest son, who's now eight, I was a single mom and I couldn't find any books that reflected our family units. And I did try it. Like I, I went, I just remember opening children's books for the first time and being like, wow, these really haven't changed. Like I thought they would be much more reflective of uh, society. And they weren't. And when I went into Waterstones uh, on Piccadilly, so obviously like a big shop. Um, and I said to them, I said, do you have any books which feature a single parent family? And they were like, well, I've got this one, which is my single mom is fantastic. Or my single mom, the superhero. You know, there were a lot of them. Um, I went, no, no, no. I just want us going about our business in the background as people who are just part of the community. And she was like, oh, you'd have to read every one of them to find those. We don't index like that. And so that really was when the idea was born, because somebody would have to read all of them. So I did. So that's what you set about doing. You thought, right, I'm going to find the representative books. Well, yeah, because, you know, my particular uh, point of diversity at that point was a single parent family. And, you know, I'm white middle class. Like um, I've always seen myself in the stories, in the media um, my whole life. So it was my first brush, really, of not. And um, when you actually look at children's books back then, particularly, even though it's only been three and a half years, they were really unrepresentative. So it wasn't just about. Um, me not seeing our family like black kids being unrepresented forever and you know Asian families mixed race families it was just it's just a very 
they were three years ago very white this kind of they were perpetuating this 1950s idea of family and family values that really quite outdated now so you set about as a personal mission to find the representative books and how long did it take from that kind of light bulb moment there to thinking I need to start a business about this and represent find books that represent all the different people in the world yeah, so I, I went about building our book collection and um, saying no to uh, some gifts of books and being very clear that, you know, that, that I wanted my kid to understand the world as it really was through stories and how influential they were. But, you know, I was going about the business of being a single mom and trying to try to survive and uh, work. So the idea kind of I I'd, I'd created these bookshelves and then more of my friends were having children later on. And it was it was about. I'm trying to think now it must have been 2017 2016 2017 I was with my partner and the, you know books were still as unrepresentative as they had been before and I'd like kind of collated all this expertise and understanding of how it all worked and we were just like let's do it like you know I'd started a job at Great Ormond Street I was working at the hospital as a head of PR for the hospital there and it was really like we just had this opportunity where we, we had the money to invest in a, in a business to start it off and we decided we'd just go for it in the hope that it would uh, be successful and transform the landscape of children's books. And it is. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely achieved a lot in three and a half years, that's for sure. It's, it's been a crazy journey because you don't just set out, you set out to sell children's books and then you become like somebody who has to do some graphic design and you have to be able to learn how a website works and how to make your checkout friction free and how to reach customers and all of that stuff so he set out to change the, that landscape and end up learning a lot of other stuff a whole bunch of different things all the time all the time yeah so what does your business look like now what do you provide so we sell inclusive and representative children's books that show diversity in race and culture and family setup books that show representations of disability and gender roles and it's all incidental to the storyline or in the vast in the vast majority it's incidental to the storyline there are some brilliant books which are very specifically like what is racism that Osborne has just brought out and some very specific books that do actually tackle uh, social issues head on which we do also incorporate sometimes but the whole idea is that if the books are incidental to the storyline then all of that stuff the kids are learning by osmosis is really good for them because you know we're asked as parents as um as carers, we're asked to read with our children every single day. And that's kind of a thing that schools always tell you, you know, like there is the, what, the single most important thing you can do with a child is read with them. And if that has got such priority, it's always confused me as to what they're reading hasn't also been given the same kind of importance. So read every day, read what you want. But then you're filling your head up with all this nonsense. And we know that like this, you know, we know the media is massively influential. You only have to look at like, commercials like and how they've impacted on like boys like in blue and girls like in pink and it becoming a whole industry and like you know we know these things are really influential so why do we just say read as much as you can with your child without telling them what what to do so we find all those books that show that diversity so we give them a really good grounding in equality from the day they're born is the ideal scenario and it's a subscription box service, but also gift boxes. Is that right? We do a bit of everything. Like subscriptions is where we started and subscription and one-off gifts, um, which is just two, three or four books in a box. They had some gifts and they have uh, uh, snacks in them. 
Um, and we do those for families. Um, and then we do bigger boxes, which I mean, can also go into families and quite often parents buy uh, 20 book boxes for their kids and or like they buy 20 book boxes and send them out during the Christmas period. And we do big boxes for schools. So we quite often, uh, I mean, this week we've sent uh, 3,000 books out <gasps> to Jersey. So there is a box of our books in every single primary school in Jersey from this week. That's amazing. Incredible. Like the volume is huge. And sometimes, like I say, you get bogged down with the like the kind of the minutiae and all the things that you've learned as you've gone about your business. But the scale of it, like we're sending thousands of books out every week now and it's massive. Think about the little children whose brains you're filling with uh, good, diverse, representative stuff. Oh, it's so like we got a lovely comment from a school teacher who said, like, you will never understand um, the impact that you will have on a child who picks up one of your books and sees themselves for the first time. She, she was like, and and that when we get feedback like that and or like children have seen that, you know, we sent a box up to North Northumberland, which is actually where I'm from. We sent sent a box up there and there's uh, I think there's only there's one black kid in the whole of the school. So you're talking about in a school of 200. And she was just like, it's transformative for him because his stories come from his family and like the the very minimal contact he has with people of his culture you know and you know he has to do it all via zoom especially the last couple of years and to have books in his library where he goes that's like me that's like my culture because you know it's it's incredible it's life-changing for him and will hopefully make him into a voracious reader if he wasn't already so good the practicalities of your business so you said let me take you back to when you started up with your partner you said you had some investment so when you start a business like this you're at a stage now three and a half years in you're sending out thousands of books to schools and people and families how small or big did you start we started out with an investment of ten thousand pounds and that was neil's uh, that's my partner he was like i'll fund it you do all the work and i was like oh, fine. <laughs> it's a great deal isn't it but i mean so he's taking that money out now um but uh and pretty much from day one that was the only investment we needed like because it was a new concept we were first to market with subscription boxes like this we actually launched on the first day like there was a really important report by the center of literacy in primary education it was the first time they'd ever counted up the representation in children's books but I didn't know this because I wasn't in the book world so we uh, launched or we, we prepared to launch on this weekend in July in 2018 and I put it on Facebook and said look we've set up this business this is why we're doing it is anyone interested one of my friends who is an editor at Sky emailed and went we're doing a report on this about the report that's coming out tomorrow would you go live on Sky and I'm like okay yes I will but when you're not fluent about what you're talking about it was probably it was a very unusual interview. Like, I didn't know what I was saying. I wasn't fluent on the subject. Uh, and it had come as a total surprise. And our website had gone completely untested to this point. We literally pressed go on our website on Friday and were live on Sky on Saturday. So that really helped with the kind of, we'd had this 10 grand funder, which we spent very quickly on website, stock, getting branded boxes. I, th- I can't even remember what else we spent it on. You know, just stuff when you start. Yeah. But like stuff, and it just, it went very quickly, but we were quickly making money, but, you know, it was quickly coming back, so you know it's great wow so straight into the news the 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 day after you launch that's pretty punchy start well it it is in many respects I don't know whether like the wider book industry would have appreciated it that much think looking (laughs) back like I literally knew nothing and I just set up you know I mean the expertise was there and I'll stand firmly by the expertise of reading a million books to your kid 
but I didn't know anything about the publishing world. And so, you know, you can imagine you do this launch and then some random person who's just set up a bookshop does it on the first day. But, it, you know, I mean, it was brilliant for us and it de- definitely set out our stall and got us on the Channel 4 newsletter, which is essentially how we've got most of our sales through press. Well, I think we should talk about that. So your background was in press. I mean, how much do you think that your background has helped you to get to where you are today? I think when you set up a business, you all bring stuff with you, like whether that's a background in HR, like whether it's a really good mindset or like just organisational skills, like you all bring something, graphic design. There's so much to run in your business. And if you can make your established skills work for you, then you can have success because, you know, like looking back, if I'd known more about cash, my like zero account would have been set up from day one and it would have been labelled properly and I would have been bookkeeping and then I wouldn't have ended up having to be late with my first tax return and all that stuff. And and like, you know, like I'm, ter- well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reframe everything I say about being terrible at graphic design. I am not good at graphic design yet, um, <laughs> particularly Canva, I'm, which is I'm my name. learning, learning <laughs> to excel at Canva. My success in Canva will happen this week. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, so all of those skills that I'm, I'm learning as I go along. And so PR for me was a no brainer because I'd been head of PR at Save the Children. I'd managed PR at Samaritans and Great Ormond Street before that. I was a TV director and I got people to be interviewed for the news and I was a journalist at uh, Good Morning Britain. Like, so, you know, all everything that I'd done had been around the media and it's kind of like, it becomes your second nature it's weird when you get to this age and you've got just a really clear sense of how something works and then you suddenly apply it to your own business and it works because that's the industry so it's definitely helped and definitely meant that our profile got much bigger than we ever you know than we were at the time you know like the profile grew way before the business did because you know we looked like a massive business how do you think having that confidence from working in PR and in the media helped you when you pitched your business like having that background in PR helps because I'd always been in like I had some really good training like being at Save the Children is like they are a media powerhouse and they certainly were back in 2010 when I was there and it gave me a really good grounding of what journalists need from you when you um, are pitching when you're creating stories what's going to um, make the news and also just the confidence the confidence to ring a newsroom and say hi I've got a great story and to believe that your business is a great story and I think so often like when people set up their businesses we keep it small in our minds you know like oh it's just it's just a little business just something I've set up like there is no business on earth which is little like as soon as you start as soon as you commit to doing something you know people call it side hustles and it very quickly becomes all-consuming because you have to create a logo and a website and you have to get people to go there and like it's very rarely little and so I think quite often women quite often minimize their achievements in this area and instead of doing that especially in the PR corner of things I just behaved like I had a place in the media and that people should talk to me and they did. So you started off with the perspective that it was a big story even when the business was still very nascent. Yeah, and I do think it's um, it's particularly, it's, it is much easier for social enterprises or businesses with a campaign. I mean, any business can have a campaign at its heart and, and, and that definitely helps because people love to help businesses that are doing good. And any, yeah. business, any business can do good and you can make headlines out of any corner of your business if you decide to make it sustainable and you do 
you do things in a different way and you are um, really mindful of your impact on people and environment. Like our business is ostensibly a good thing anyway, you know, we're like diversifying shelves and making sure that everybody's seen. But beyond that, like we we are really clear on our social purpose and that is about getting books to disadvantaged people as well. And so right from the beginning for every subscription somebody bought, we donated a book to Doorstep Library, who's our charity partner who read with some of the most disadvantaged children in London. And so by doing that, we made automatically made connections in the charity space. People were interested in us. The kind of press we got was a bit different in that people were interested in this charitable ex- aspect and the given and, and, and really embedding good right from the beginning. It also is good for you from a business perspective, because once you've embedded it from the beginning, that's just part of what you are. That's part of your DNA. And, and it doesn't hurt so much as, you know, deciding, oh, we haven't given anything. Let's give £2,000 out later on. You know, if it's just part of your everyday then it becomes part of who you are and part of your identity. And people see that and want to work with you and you become part of this good network of things and it makes you and your business grow and, you know, makes the world a better place. (laughs) You mentioned all the things you have to learn. So, you know, you start with an idea for a business and you know what it is and then you realise you have to do the website and the the design and that, you know, the customer journey, all those things. How much of your time now is spent reading all the books? And I say that as someone who receives them and is so grateful that you've chosen these books for us because my kids are so happy and I'm like, brilliant. Thank you, Lindsay. I think I messaged you the other day, like my kids love this month. Like it's such a joy. And I haven't had to go and think about it because you've done it for me. So thank you. Well, I still like, I still read them. So I'm reading three books a week, like kids books and have done for ages and they're the bigger ones like the eight to eleven ones um and I try to read everything that we get through the office and you know like I mean I don't it's not sustainable to continue doing that forever but like it is that it is a really difficult thing to pass on we've done we've now got more of a panel of people who do it so like we've got kickstarter employees who've been trained into what to ask of the book so that you know like part of um growing the business is systemizing everything and that means the kind of more emotional touchy-feely parts of it as well like they all have to be systemized in order for us to find the time to achieve what we need to achieve so there is a set of questions that they ask of every book and then they pass it and or they don't pass it and you know we've got we've got we've got quite a diverse staff team now like because through kickstarter because that was mm-hmm. also part of what we wanted to do so we wanted to make sure that our staff team and supply chain reflects the diversity of the population as our output does and that's really crucial to us and it's a work in progress because it's weird when you've got a business and you are like you you come from a you've got your certain background you've got your privileges and you've got your um kind of connections and you realize how like like for me certainly I've had to step outside of some of my just familiar connections to make sure that I'm using like where I can I use black designers and where I can use black web designers and 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 like I've got to find people because some of my connections weren't automatically in those groups. And so, um, but Kickstarter has been a great leveler for us because we've just managed to uh, employ, is it six people from the local community who bring different perspectives and backgrounds and individual things that have really helped to inform our content. And um, and so when they read books as well, they're also significantly younger than me. When they read books, they bring their perspective and they bring their beliefs and they bring their lifestyle choices and their, their lives to those choices. And so it makes for quite interesting discussions. So you've, as the business has grown, you've had to, well, you've chosen to grow the team and your systems so you can deliver more, but it's not all on you. You know what? It's a really tough um, position to be in because 
in some respects, there's this nervousness right at the core that, especially during these uncertain times, that uh, lots of businesses are failing and lots of businesses have decided to call it a day. And there's always that bit of you when you think, right, okay, when we contract, what would we do? So when, when you do start to grow, there's a freedom to grow in where you go, oh, I never have to think about, like, I, you know, I don't answer customer service inquiries anymore. And I only deal with them when they're, you know, when they're quite difficult. And I deliberately keep it away from me because I find it, it's incredibly stressful to think the thing yeah. that I created isn't satisfying someone in the way that I wanted it to. So, but I don't do that anymore. And I don't do my own emails for them and I don't manage the orders I don't process them but I always I'm living with the idea that oh if times get tough like that would all have to come back in and 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 that terrifies me because now I've given it out so far that I you know I've got someone writing my blogs now and yeah it's not it's I'm not doing everything in it but it is that thing of you know business life's never certain so you know what it looks like from day to day is quite you, you never know when you're gonna have to contract and expand again so do you have big goals for the future of Little Box of Books? So I'm I'm very, very impulsive. And it's been one of the best things about having Neil, who's my business partner, who I also have the children with as well. But so we, he is the direct opposite of impulsiveness. Like he's so good at uh, reining things in, being like forecasting, being like, this is, this is where you go. And he's had to learn with the fact that I'll wake up one day and go, you know what we're going to do? I think like with the crowdfunder, I was like, I think we'll do a crowdfunder. And I think it'll be like, I think we'll raise this much money. And he's like, he's had to like learn to adapt to my impulsiveness. And I've had, to, and, and I have definitely benefited. I remember the very first order we put in for um, flat pack boxes and I knew I could get them much cheaper, but I had to order them in units of 5,000. And we were still, we're still in our two bedroom flat. We've got office space and we've got a fulfillment unit now. So it's less, it's less uh, important but um, I said, oh, Neil, I'm going to order these and I'm going to do it now because if I order 5,000 of them, and he went, 5,000 flat packed boxes. Where do you think you're going to keep them? I'm like, well, there'll probably only be a stack. And he was like, no, no. And in the end, we ordered 1,000 and they took up an entire corner of our living room, which is like, we've only got a living room and kitchen on the top. Like there was no space to live. And I was going to order five times that. So th- stuff like that. Um, so when it comes to goal setting, I very much come up with an idea and think, can I make it happen? And my end goal, I suppose, all the time is to do ourselves out of work. Like we don't need to be doing this business forever because at some point, diverse bookshelves will just happen. And what I sell are just books, aren't they? I mean, fundamentally, that's where we want to be. So the big goal is that we no longer have to do this. And we're definitely further towards that than we've ever been with the last year or two it's been absolutely transformative so that's always the goal at the end and so as we go along I come up with ideas and go should we try this should we try that and uh, he either goes absolutely not that sounds like madness or says that that's probably worth doing so it's, it's a very good partnership for that so at the minute we are looking at how we get more inclusive books into the system and um, how we get a million books into schools in the next period of time but there are a lot of people working in inclusive books now so we are not we are certainly not on our own anymore so that's a funny way of looking at your end goal not to uh, do yourself out of your business basically to not have to exist anymore do you have a sense of and then we can celebrate and then I want to go back into telly or start up a new business doing something completely different or do you have a 
a feeling for what comes after. Oh, absolutely no idea. And, you know, like with that goal as well, I have to, I still have to keep my mind on the right track with that. Like, because I'm as vulnerable to like competition and um, I'm as egotistical as the next person. So I always have to like, keeping my eyes on that goal is like, is tricky. So, it, but it's, it's my entire focus. So like, I regularly have to like check my decisions and go like, what is this about? Is this about like expanding your empire or sharing and it's hard you know we've all got overheads and we've built a business in a in a um in what was a niche and that isn't now so we you know it's, it's a daily practice for me to kind of share and work together and be cooperative and collaborative and celebrate the successes of, of other people in what is a really essential part of all our kids education so it's that thing of realizing reminding yourself all the time you're part of a movement for change yeah, and it is, and it's really hard. And I think, especially in the last year or two, we were one of the businesses that just grew exponentially in lockdown. And it was a couple of things, and we suddenly, I think, we tripled our size and what we were sending out overnight. Um, and I was still making boxes and packing it all in my house until was it this time last year? I don't know. It's only been a year and maybe a year and a half that I've like handed it over to a fulfillment and by that point we were making 800 boxes a month like I couldn't keep up with what was well I could but I wasn't getting any sleep and and then since then it hasn't like it's we, we're not at the same like busyness there that we were and we've definitely pivoted towards schools more we've had to keep changing as we've gone along so yeah it's hard in these times not to focus on the success of your business and to constantly keep your eyes up because you know like so many people have come into this space now and we have to question every day whether it's still the right place for us as white middle class people in a you know in a in a place where um, we want to see as part of our mission we want to see that black authors black illustrators black book creators like and and all and and all the other representation that we cover so like we want to see lgbtq plus and blended family representation we want to see that and we want to see the people in those situations and in those marginalized groups making money from the publishing process and so while we facilitate that that's great but we always have to question our position as being a bookseller who goes directly against maybe a black bookseller or you know while we keep our remit wide and we cover diversity and race and culture and family setup and relationships and everything we we always have to check that we're still in the right place that we're doing the right thing and that we're constantly making sure that publishing as well as children getting access to more diverse books that publishing is um, being more welcoming and open to people that's I mean you've mentioned a number of times like questioning whether you're in the right place whether you're doing the right thing where do you where do you go to find those answers when you have those moments of is it still right for me to be doing this or should it be someone else am I doing the right thing it's not it and I, I think that I, I think Running an inclusive and representative bookshop means that you always have to think about that. Like you do always have to think about what good are you doing in the position that you are like, like how is what we're doing benefiting the wider society and, and chiming with our messages of social justice and making sure that, that like it's a fair and representative society. So I don't think I'll ever have the like the final answer on that in that, you know, that's that's just got to be something that we always check with ourselves and we check that we're doing the right things. And, and you know, for us with, with children's books, it's all about showing. It's showing kids over and over again that their normal isn't the only one. So is that just a conversation you and your partner have where you're like, okay, if I do this, is this right? Or yeah. is there someone you go to to seek advice or 
Um, it's a combination of things. It's um, it's instinct based on like what we're seeing in the industry. It's uh, conversations. We're in coalitions with different organisations. We're in a group which is um, looking to get 25% um, of all children's books diversified in schools by 2025. So we're part of that. Um, so, th so those things and those relationships and those organizational relationships kind of keep us in the right place and um, help us to make sure that we're just doing the right thing and, and that actually what's working for the business and what's working for us is also working to um, keep those bookshelves diversified and keep the right place people from profiting from it. Understood. So there's a lot uh, of questions to be asking yourself all the time, which brings me to mindset. How do you keep your mindset strong? Um, so right right at the start, when I set up Little Box Books, I was seeing a counsellor every week. And that was really good because I found being a business owner really exposing, especially like arriving on social media and having to like sell and just be, you know, show bits of your life and um, just have the confidence to keep going again and again and saying, buy my things and with very little feedback. Now, at my very core, I'm a people pleaser. I, I just... That's just how it's been. And so like I've been doing a lot of therapy about undoing some of that. But that's really bad for business, because if you don't separate your business from whether people like you, you're just going to be in a spiral of uh, disaster the whole time. You can't. And, and again, this is why Neil's so good for me, because he can go like you've had two complaints in a thousand boxes. I think you're all right. And I'll be like, <sighs> what if they tell everyone what if they like really hate me and he's like people don't hate you it's just the box was a bit bent when it arrived like it's not you know and like and and learning that and learning to separate what people say about the business and the product and and how it works and learning and seeing that as a commercial enterprise rather than <laughs> at its core a real criticism of who I am as a person is an ongoing process and it's one that I have to come back to every time and it is why it's why I have now got a distance from the uh, customer services inbox and why like I still hear it but I hear about it in a much more controlled way in a way that I make decisions about it in a way that isn't like I need that person to like me so I'm going to give them a hundred books for free that kind of response which is ultimately business ruining so that's been quite the journey so in order to not do that the practice that has worked for me the best which is so weird is simple gratitude like and I I make sure I have 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening and I do it when I clean my teeth or when I walk to the office and I'm specifically thinking about like what I've uh, what I'm grateful for and some of that's like achievements in business and you know for the money that comes into the account and the people who've supported us and all of that and I'm very specific and I let myself feel that and since I've started doing that the shift in my well-being and capacity to handle what the business throws at me has been it's been amazing because you know I no longer dwell on all the things that go wrong because if you dwell on everything that goes wrong in your business you like things are going to go wrong and they do all the time and and having that gratitude practice has really dragged it out of me and stopped me from like just focusing on the negative and it being a swirl of disaster and I mean I don't know if you know about this but I, I found the tablet have you found the tapping solution on oh uh, I really want tapping. to learn more about tapping I want to learn it do you know how to do it yes well my sister um who like is uh turned into my well-being guru I don't know why she's got no qualifications um she's just very chirpy uh <laughs> that's enough for me she introduced me to this app called the tapping solution and it's this magic which I think is based on acupuncture the pressure points 
acupressure, acupuncture. It's based on the pressure points on your body. And you tap in various places around your head and around your collarbone. And it's about envisaging different scenarios. And so I use it if I'm particularly anxious or if I have something coming up. And at the minute I am doing specific um, tapping meditations to do with gratitude. And it really, really does help. Like it might be that it's because I'm spending 12 minutes not in my own head. Uh, but I try to do that every day and I've really seen the benefits. You have to do stuff for your mind is my conclusion. Whatever works for you. That's so exciting. Yeah, I did. I did. I saw an advert on Instagram mm. it was probably for that app and I followed it for five minutes. And I thought, I feel a bit better. And I thought, I want to do more about that. And then did nothing about it, obviously. Well, it feels mad. And I'm already in a, in a moment ready to leap up and pretend I'm not doing anything mad in case anybody comes upstairs and sees me tapping my face. But it actually works. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it while it works. So, I mean, part of a mother brand is that, you know, we can be a busy mum and we can run and grow a business. But if we fail to look after ourselves, our, our mindset, our general well-being our mental health everything it's not going to be sustainable so I remember talking to you in the past do you still get up early and is that when you do your gratitude to take that time before your children wake up oh yeah I'm a big like uh, I try to do 5am didn't work today I do try to get up uh, before six o'clock every day like it is for me that is like a gift of a spa like I'm so when I wake up and see, see it's six o'clock or before I get so excited because I'm straight out of bed. I'm like, brilliant. This is my time and nobody is going to interrupt me. I got really burnt out during the pandemic. Like there was no. In fact, it's taken probably until now to come to terms with it, because when, as I said, I was packing 800 boxes during the month. And so it was I mean, how many is that? It was, it was a lot. And, and extra orders on top and corporate orders. And so I was constantly at it. And I was homeschooling my eldest, who was six or seven, and my youngest, who I was pregnant with when I started the business. So he was a toddler. And so I had that to do. And Neil, Neil's business, he had to be in the business every day. Whereas mine was like, I did have to be in it, but in a different way. We had to keep money coming into the house. And, and so I would have these, I had the, I had the business, I had the toddler, I had the homeschooling and everything else. And I just, I, I was getting up at, I was getting up at five to work and then going to bed at 12. And then never like that period of time, I couldn't stop. Like I, it was awful. Like I just couldn't get myself together again. And afterwards, even now I find myself like protecting periods of my time from anybody and just selfishly like going into my world to try and, because I'm still living with what it was like when I had to do everything for those few months. So, so part of like kind of looking after my well-being has been about creating those spaces and not feeling the panic that I didn't have enough time and that I can actually manage the business in a, in a way that's healthy for me and for my mindset. So like these disciplines for me are really about, and I don't, I don't do work. I deliberately create periods of time where I've got space to think and to contemplate for my wellness. So what do you do when you get up before six? Well, I mean, it's, so I do, I do some tapping. I um, do some, like they call it journaling now, but I just write stuff down about how I feel and also just what I'm going to be doing in the week. So like on a Sunday, I quite, I like to get ahead and like plan out what I'm doing in the week. So it's all time blocked. So I don't so I can see what I've got time for and what I haven't. And it's meditation, bit of yoga. Sometimes I bust out 50 press ups if I'm feeling strong. That's 
lot. 50? Not in one go. Not in one go. Okay. Lots of five. <laughs> Still, I'm impressed. And sometimes I'll go for a run and do some visualization stuff, just making myself feel comfortable if I was to be really successful or to be or to create a different level of wealth. Um, so I, I quite often like Sorry, when when you're so successful and you have that different level of wealth. Yes. That's what you meant. That's when. when. Um, so I quite often do that to, you know, because I had quite a lot of limiting beliefs about what I could achieve. And I've spent a lot of time kind of undoing those. So it's all a work in progress, isn't it? It's all learn and, and adapt and evolve. Everything is. I think the thing is, when you set up a business, like uh, you have certain ideas. Like I said, I was all about selling inclusive children's books. And then all of the things that you have to learn, but we made terrible mistakes. You know, like we we had a website that we couldn't edit ourselves and we spent money on things that were useless. And just like initially we made a big fulfillment mistake and sent our books to the wrong to the to a place which couldn't fulfill what we needed them to do. So, you know, and that's hard. And that's hard as you, you know, because you envisage that you, you set up a business and you do the thing you love and it goes like in a linear upwards motion and everybody becomes millionaires and solves the world's problems. That's what you imagine. But actually, it's a lot of like going, oh, I shouldn't have spent my last three pound on that and that kind of thing. And how do you make yourself feel better when, when you feel like you've made a big mistake? That's something that I'm still working on. Like I still I find it very difficult to reflect and go. But in, in saying that, it makes the business stronger because you're unlikely to do the same thing again. Like, you know, my hiring processes are different. When we choose a supplier, I am much less likely to be, you know, I'm a different person than I was two years ago. Like, I'm much less likely to to go, I'm not going to ask him that hard question because, you know, I don't want to upset him. Now I'll be like, I really need to know these things and that you can provide the service. And then I'm not afraid to question until I get a good deal at the point, you know, and make sure that they, they can do what they say they do. Because um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like professionals in the um, business environment who are offering you services or they're offering to do something for you that you didn't realise you even needed. So you have to start, you have to develop that spirit of like being able to be really discerning and being able to question and make sure that it works for you in the way that you want it to work for you. Yeah. Now you juggle this business around your two young children. What would your top tips be from the last three and a half years of building Little Box of Books? What would your top tips be for how to do the juggle successfully? So our business journey has been while the pandemic's been on. And um, I, as I said, I was pregnant with Kit when I set up Little Box of Books. So he has never known anything but me having the business. And I grew it while I had him. And I did it because my first baby was really a very good sleeper, four hour nappings in the day. And he was the perfect business baby. Uh, the second baby was not and didn't nap at all for ages. Like he's he's a very like now I know him. He's an incredibly headstrong person. So um, I get it now. I get it a lot better than I did three years ago. So I had that blur between business and family life, which uh, was no good for anybody. And I think it's really key that you try as soon as you can to create a boundary between work and family. So now I try to get home at five and I switch off everything, try not to answer anything except my sister who always rings at that time for two hours until seven o'clock. I try to do nothing and then I'll, I sometimes pick it up and sometimes just, you know, if I'm out or something, I don't. But I try to keep, I try not to do just one email or 
just I'm just going to check my phone I'm just going to do this post I try not to and I fail at it a lot but the the intention is there to have like family life separate from business life it's hard that isn't it because you're sort of not 100% in either place and so neither one thing nor the other gets your full attention and feels that good that's what I've I found when you are constantly hang on a second mummy's just trying to send an email or hang on a second mummy's just mummy's just mummy's just oh yeah it's yeah it's tough isn't it so five till seven is no work time in theory I really try to and it is also why I stick to that trying to get up at five o'clock in the morning because nobody's getting up that early so yeah it is that thing and it is right you just don't do either well if you're half in work and you're half trying to parent it's just horrible isn't it do you have to work long in the evenings? I'm always interested because, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend I don't work some evenings and I don't work little bits of the weekend, but I do that so I can do pickup and I could, you know, it's all a kind of balance. Do you end up working some evenings and some of the weekends or how does it work? So I work nine till five, Monday to Thursday, as far as possible. But sometimes um, I've lost the run of myself by Tuesday and I'll be working. And usually I haven't sent me like weekly email out. So I used to have, I have to do that on a Saturday morning, but on the whole, but like first news last week got in touch with me on Thursday night at 7 PM and said, can you write a piece for the newspaper? It needs to be with us by tomorrow. And I was like, oh yes. Okay. So that was an early morning, but um, on the whole, I try and be as disciplined as possible. Oh, that's nice. What do you do on Fridays? Well, it's toddler day and um it, like so I hang out with uh I hang out with my three-year-old and that has been a real work in progress because obviously when he was born I was working all the time and I haven't I'm still mastering the ability to be in his company without working when he's being quiet because there's something about him not crying that makes me go oh brilliant I'll get some work in while you're not crying and so I really like it's a constant practice with him not to be on my phone or with my computer so I'm still working really hard at that one. That's so interesting that you developed that reflex reaction, like, okay, silence means I can get the work done. Mm. And now actually it's not required because that's toddler day. Yeah, because he's got childcare for four days a week. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I, I, yeah, I need to let go. It's, 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 it is better than it was, but it's hard. So if you had to give one recommendation of a tool or a book, what would you give to people growing their businesses around their families? What would you choose? I mean, I'd get 100% be like, get that tap and solution app but I get that it might not work for everybody so if it doesn't work for you just discard it and find something else but for me that's been a a real game changer of being able to like actually have time where I'm better at being guided I'm not better at sitting in my chair and thinking about nothing or you know I'm just better at being guided and having something to do while I'm being in that silence it really works for me so it's called the tap and solution I think you have to pay for it but I think you can try it out before you pay that's so exciting I'm definitely going to go and check that out Lindsay thank you so much it's been such a joy thank you for sharing everything that you've learned on your journey so far and um, can't wait to see what happens in the future with Little Box of Books thank you so much for having me it's been lovely to chat to you if you've enjoyed the episode please do hit follow leave a rating leave a nice comment and share with anyone who you think might enjoy it see you next time Mm -hmm.